0: Welcome back to Fully Equipped, J-Wall, Mr. Robot, RB. Three out of four ain't bad. We are here to bring you the latest gear news. And we got a lot to talk about this week. But first off, as always, boys, how we doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. I, uh, sorry I missed you guys last week. I moved my oldest into Loyola of Chicago, her first year as a freshman. Man, bittersweet moment sitting there making uh making beds folding uh clothes and seeming like it was six months ago that i was changing her diapers so uh yeah i didn't think uh didn't think it was gonna hit me as hard as it did but um yeah she's uh she's off in the in the big world the good news is now i get to go to chicago which is a great eating city so i'm excited about that
0: To visit your daughter and your speaker, apparently.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're going
0: to talk about this, Gene. What the heck (laughs) happened? You gave your daughter your speaker. The biggest pushover ever. You either win dad of the year or you're now the worst gear podcast guy of all time. You push and push and push push for the speaker. And then next thing you know, your daughter goes, hey, dad, I need a speaker. And you go, all right, cool. You can have this one that I've been waiting on for a year.
1: Hey. J-Walt, two things can be true at one time. And those are true. So, of the year, so, terrible podcaster. There we go. Yeah, terrible podcast. Well, um, it was so funny. So we're getting ready to move last week. And all of a sudden she goes, Hey, Dad, this is a really cool speaker. I don't have a speaker for my dorm room. And I'm like, that was my speaker. That I wanted so much. And I was like, do I act selfish until can't have the speaker? Do I not? I'm like, you know, I think this was meant to be that this speaker was never meant to be mine. So I said, speaker, go be free. Go live somewhere else. Go provide wonderful music somewhere else because I'm just destined not to have that damn speaker. So, you know, I'm good with it.
2: That's like, uh, someone asked me the other day on Instagram, I, I put up, I you know, as you know, I have a lot of golf clubs kicking around and someone messaged me. Why did you sell those irons? And I was like, you know what? If you love something enough, you just have to let it free into the world. they <laughs> have been sitting on a shelf for too long and they, they, they were ready to find a new home and hopefully make their way into the turf around here. Um, yeah, well, I only played two
1: songs on my speaker. Before. <laughs> <laughs> Never even got it His
0: the marching band.
1: <laughs> my German marching.
2: Band. As a yeah. as a contrast, Gene, I will uh, next week is uh, my daughter's first day of senior kindergarten. So
1: wow. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's it, the sick joke of life. I've come to the conclusion, not that this is a philosophy podcast, is uh, everything about life you pretty much could learn on a Hallmark greeting card. Cause all those cheesy greeting cards you got, they all ended up having like the essence of life. But the one man of kids is just like embrace every day. Cause it goes by fast and it's just so crazy. You know, the truth of that, that suddenly you're sitting there and your kid's 18. And I remember the first day of kindergarten. And I think, I think that was like six, eight months ago for me. It seems like it's just, man, man, goes by fast but it's all good new chapter
2: i had someone tell me one time it was uh the days might be long but let me tell you the years go by real quick yeah uh, that, was and the, that was a pretty good one so
1: and the older you get it seems like the birthdays come about every six months now not every year
0: <laughs> yeah i know the feeling with kids it goes by way too fast but you know i'm Thinking maybe Coach has some extra speakers. We're all going to be convening in Scottsdale next week to make some sweet, sweet gear content, and maybe maybe we can procure a wow. speaker too. Because I don't, I don't know, RB, you don't have one either, right?
2: No, I don't. And I'm, but I'm excited mm-hmm. to get down to get down to Scottsdale and and kind of be in person again, like we were in, in San Diego probably about a month ago. Now, um, I'm already looking up pizza places to hit up. <laughs>
0: which is important.
2: Uh, It's very important to make sure that you know the spots. So uh, I've already done some preliminary planning. Let's put it that way.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, let's get to it. We got some fun topics for this week. Let's kick it off with one that I, I don't think that we spend enough time talking about, which is the beginner golf space. You know, this is a gear podcast, and we have a tendency to get in the weeds. And um, judging by the the direct messages that we get on social media, there are a lot of gear sickos out there too that have a, a lot of um, very interesting questions, and in, and they're certainly of the in the weeds variety. But I do think that it's important to spend some time talking about the beginner golfers because you know we we all were there at one point where. We started playing the game. We picked it up. We loved it. And then we started to wonder, like, what the heck does a, does a, a set of golf clubs look like for my game? And, you know, everybody tells you, we got to have 14 clubs in the bag. That's, that's the limit. You can't have any, any more than that. And then, you know, I would guess a beginner golfer would then say, well, how do I pick those 14 clubs? Or do I go with less? Or, or what do I do? And, RB, you did a great story. On just laying out how to build a beginner set of clubs. I mean, if you like, we have kids. I mean, how are how are you constructing a set of a, a set of golf clubs for for you know for a ten year old versus you know a set of golf clubs for somebody who's beginning the game at thirty?
2: For for kids, I think it's it's uh it's really simple. The fact that just loft and light is basically like the, the really easy way to think about it. You want to think as light as possible and things that have a lot of loft on them because you just want them to get up in the air. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the right approach, but I always just, the two things that I, if I ever go to the range or go to the golf because my daughter, we go to the range and she just hits drivers. I just tee up drivers and she just hits them because they've got the biggest face. So they go out in advance, which for like a little kid, we like really doesn't understand any bit of the game at all. Just to see it get out there is always like something that she finds really fun. But, and then also just in using a putter, but, the other aspect of this for like for those beginners that are i think a lot of people over the last number of years you know working from home and having a little bit more free time we've seen golf have this explosion in popularity that's that's no surprise to anybody and that's really old news at this point but when we look at putting together a set a lot of people will do and we do like we do what's in the bags for for tour players and you know we cover a lot of those those elements but someone was just to look at that and be like oh yeah i need it a thirteen-degree three-wood and a nine-degree driver and a, like all these different things. It's like okay, this is not a good idea in most cases, and it really comes down to being able to make something that's easy to hit and confidence-inspiring. And that can really apply to anyone from who who might be like, say, in a more of a someone who has more advanced hand-eye coordination, or as an athlete. Like if you've got someone who's a tennis player or someone who's played baseball before, you're in a ball that's moving. Now, yes, it's a bigger racket, but. I've seen some pretty impressive cross-sport athletes move to golf and and mimic motions fairly efficiently. I'm not gonna say that they're they're immediately 25 handicapped golfers, but you know, they're starting to mimic the the motions of a golf swing pretty quickly. So you have to take all of this with like some individualization, but you know, you need a driver, need a ferrywood that's probably around I'd say 17 to 20 degrees, maybe like think of a five wood. Don't even think about a three wood at, at any point in time for like most beginners. I mean, Heck, most of a lot of advanced golfers, and we talked about this last week or week before, Jonathan. You don't even have a three-wood just because of your dynamics, make it difficult to hit. So, for a lot of players, it's not a club they don't even need. Then you just go into something big and forgiving. Do not use a lob wedge. And the funny thing is, when I first started at golf, like two of the pieces that I wrote kind of kick it off were don't stop using a lob wedge and stop using a strong lofty three-wood. And that applies to regular golfers as well as, um, like, you know, People who are starting out and beginners, because there's nothing worse than like leaving a shot at your feet, trying to hit a wedge or sculling it over the green. And know the only one thing, and I, you know, I've written about this golf club. I keep talking. About, I feel like I talk about it every week. Is the chipper, right? Yes, you can make fun of it as a as a hardcore golfer, but like to be honest, like the thing makes golf easier, and that's the whole point of being able to play golf is have fun. If you're piecing together set for beginners, it has to be something that they're going to go out and enjoy, and. No, when it comes to doing that, you, know, you also want adjustability. Never, ever, ever shy away from using an adjustable driver at this point, because although um, you might think that it's simpl- like going with simplicity is, is easier, having something that's adjustable immediately offers custom fitting options. So if you're a beginner, it allows you to say, okay, I need to hit a little higher. And maybe in most cases, you probably don't need to hit it lower. But to be able to create bias in the clubhead just to help someone get the ball in the air and move it forward, that's what you want in a a set of golf clubs.
0: Do you think beginners even need, I mean, other beyond it's like super game improvement. I always wonder about this because some companies now create iron sets that are essentially just like a full set of hybrids. And then you've got like the super game improvement irons. I've had some golfers ask me like, and these are like 20 plus handicappers. Then they they've asked like I see the I see these irons they, some of them look like hybrids and they look really forgiving but then I see this set of like super game improvements that look more like a traditional iron and then I get a little bit of confused and I don't really know which one's you know better for me the the hybrid one looks more forgiving and like I can miss it a bit more the, the but the other one looks more like an iron like what kind of player benefits from those I mean what have you gotten that kind of question from from golfers out there and. I mean, where do you kind of fall on the sets of irons that are more hybrid-like versus like your traditional SGIs?
2: This is where I think it comes down to segmenting who the golf clubs are designed for. Because if you're looking for them off the rack, you're going to see most cases, a lot of game improvement or super game improvement have kind of your mid-weight steel or, and let's, yeah, most of them are going to have mid-weight steel. And then we're, we're talking generality here. But you know so like 80 to 100 gram steel shafts as soon as you start getting into those hybrid sets you're looking at ultra lightweight steel and ultra lightweight graphite they are designed for the slower swing speed you have to kind of look at how clubs are designed in the segmentation to help with a beginner because again you could generalize a set but in reality like there are these little segments that are going to pop off that are going to help certain players you know you're not going to give a 25 year old hockey player that's picking up golf the same set of golf clubs as your 65 year old mother who just retired and wants to pick up golf. <laughs> like you're not, you're not doing anyone the disservice by just grouping them into the same category. And with that as well, and this is actually, I'm really curious, Gene, if you've done a lot of testing with this, like the super game improvement versus the hybrid clubs, because you know, if we, if you look at a, uh, I don't want to say a bell curve, but if you look at a, like a curve of what, what the improvement would be and what's offered, right. You get to a certain point in game improvement, and then you start looking at the ultra game improvement. And it's not that there's a huge, huge step as far as performance off the middle. It's that you get a little bit more forgiveness. You get a little, little lighter golf shafts, and all of that add up to something that's going to work for a specific segment of the market. Have you, have you gone through that process of testing like the super game improvement versus like the mega hybrid stuff that just launches for days?
1: You know, um, a little bit, to be honest, not very much. And actually that might be a nice test for uh, golf.com coming up. And it's, it's, I'll tell you why, uh, for the most part, you know, I live in the elite world because that's the world that, you know, they pay the most money for, for testing. They want to compare against the best. And so, you know, I, I kind of lose sight of a lot of the reality the golf industry and the golfer and it's really funny because just a week or two ago someone asked me they said hey um what would be a good set for a beginner and i was like i have no idea (laughs) and so your article's really fascinating. i was like i really don't know so i started googling and looking and it was wild i came across this set of clubs Uh, this is a plug for Callaway, but it's the Callaway strata men's complete golf set on Amazon for 466 bucks. You can get a 14 piece set of golf clubs. Now they do, they do have a fairway wood in there, but they've got two hybrids and then the irons start at the six iron. And it it, it was like, I'm looking at this set and I'm going, and it's got a bag, head covers, um, and, and a putter, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow. And, and you know, there's a Wilson set that's cheaper. It's not quite as nice, 362. Then they got a little bit better one, but you know, between 350 and 475 dollars, let's say, you can get a complete set to start this game out for less than a price of a modern driver. And to your point, RB, I do think that the twenty-six year old hockey player is different than the sixty-five year old um Uh, grandmother who's you know starting the game out so you do need to do a little bit of research but the barrier to entry isn't as high as i was expecting it to be i mean it's you know it's still not cheap but you get a complete package that's going to be good for from a beginner probably three to five years you know unless you have some dramatic um increase in uh in skill and performance And you've got a good set of clubs that you can go out there and hit golf balls in the range, go play, and really kind of enjoy the game. And if you don't like the game, you could probably sell it for a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, your exposure was only a couple hundred dollars on this. And I was just, I was really fascinated by that, that, you know, there are these entry-level sets that's just a complete package. And the beauty of it as well is unless you're going to go into the weeds a little bit where you really are looking for specifics. And I think your article does a great job in guidance on that. This is just like a one-stop shop. It's like, Hey, here are the clubs hit them. This club does this, this club does that. And it, it gets you started on the path to, to playing the game. So I was, uh, I was pretty impressed by it.
2: And if you, and if you look at package sets as well, <laughs> is that I think we we're going to talk about package sets today. Probably not. But the <laughs> most of the OEMs, you know, like they put a lot of marketing dollars into like the the newest drivers, the newest ones, the newest irons, golf ball, wedge technology, all of these different things. But if you go to their website and you start digging around, most of these companies offer package sets. And if you go yeah, to big box stores, you're going to find OEMs. them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And like, I would say that I, I came across that set as well, kind of in doing some research for the piece was... So Call- Callaway or Amazon or someone is SEOing the crap out of that set of golf clubs. Cause they are selling a ton of those things on Amazon, but for that 300 and like for that sub $500 set of golf clubs, I mean, you get a lot of value there. And I think that is the biggest thing. And the the hardest thing that I have, because look, I have access to all kinds of equipment now. Like that's not like, if I wanted, I could probably go find it or get it somewhere. But The the hard thing is when people are asking me about equipment, it's just like, oh, like everything's expensive or everything is this. I'm like, it doesn't have to be. And like, you know, you see, and I used, again, here we go, first car analogy of the day. You see car commercials or you see cars on TV or see magazines. It's like, oh, you're watching YouTube video on the newest AMG supercar. And it's like, yeah, it's really cool. Nico Rosberg drove it and it's like $2 million. They probably gave it to him anyways. But like, you can still go buy a really nice car that has all kinds of features in it. And it's like one hundredth of the price of that crazy car. You buy a slightly used car and you get an even more value. Right. And golf clubs are kind of that same way where yes, there is this extremely high end of a TaylorMade Stealth or a Callaway ST or a ping driver or any, any of those things. Right. And then you go to a lot of these companies websites and just like, here's a package set with maybe an unadjustable driver and a fairy wood and a couple hybrids and a set of irons and a bag. It's going to go on a cart that would, you know, if you compare it to some of the other stuff in line, you've got a $200, to $150 golf bag. And all of this is for $900 bucks or $1,000. I know Cobra's got a, a really nice one that I've seen in the past. And you put all this together. And again, $1,000 isn't, isn't like inexpensive by any means, but there's levels to it, right? You can go buy the $400 set. You know you're going to get into do it. Spend $1,000. that set's going to last you a really, really long time. And you're going to have a great set of golf clubs with some technology in it that's going to allow you to go out and play the game. And I think that's what's lost in a lot of people is yes, golf equipment is expensive, but if you look at the right places and you know what you're looking for, you can get great value, especially for beginners that just need a general set to go out there and have fun.
0: Speaking yeah, abs- of of value, the one thing that I'm so glad you pointed out in that story, just buy, buy a cheaper golf ball. And I know a lot of the manufacturers out there probably hate that we're, we're promoting that, but there's no reason to buy a tour level golf ball. Seriously. No, you you're going to be seeding a golf course.
2: You're going to be pumping them into the woods or wherever all over the place. Yeah. Don't, well, don't the, buy a, the, don't buy
0: a, you know, $48, a dozen box of balls. Just, just the, go only, the, the only,
1: the only, the only argument I would make, against that is if money is no option if you want the best and if you want the best so because there's this there's this perception um amongst golfers that they can't play a urethane golf ball you know for example like a pro v1 because they're not a professional they're not a tour player they're not a single digit and um and i always say even the worst golfer will hit a shot at one point in their life, very similar to a tour player. You know, it might be a 40 yard wedge shot or something, but they'll, you know, they'll hit one clean and, and hit this great shot. And if money is no object, play the better ball because it, 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 it will give you the performance characteristics, characteristics when you hit a good shot. But I totally understand what you're saying. For most people, money is, you know, a concern. So yes, there's you're not you're going to hit that shot one out of every 75 100 times as opposed to one out of every four to five times you know that that you know even mid handicappers do so you know is there value in that probably not but if money's no object play the better ball because it will give you performance characteristics that you know um that you know a two-piece golf ball will not give you but at the end of the day when you're a beginner how much does that really matter? Probably not very much.
2: I mean, if, if you look at the, uh, like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of sleeves sitting here right now. It's, I got them kicking around. It's like Kirkland golf balls, right? Like you can buy two piece golf balls from a lot of different manufacturers, but I, I don't know what they are in the States, but what is it? Probably like $29, $30, $35 a dozen. And you know, if you're looking for that and I mean, that's still, that's, that puts it in line with a lot of two piece golf balls from other manufacturers and that's fine. And I'm sure they'd love that I'm saying that, but like there are options out there and places you can go buy like good equipment. And the only other thing that I say to people is use the same golf ball. Don't just reach in and just grab whatever, because if you are out playing a practicing is different on the range or whatever, you just like shagging golf balls. But if you're out there playing and knowing just chipping shots, just the closest shots around the green, if you're just using the same two piece golf ball, three piece urethane, five piece urethane, whatever it happens to be, at least you're going to get some consistency and some feel and like at least an understanding of like this is what a good shot sounds like oh i use that softer golf ball it sounds really different or i use a really firm junkie golf ball it sounds different again the consistency there is the biggest thing for me and i think again whatever the people happen to choose whatever's in their budget i think if you stick to some sort of consistency you can kind of work that in your game as well
0: taylormade has the tour response which is a 100 percent urethane golf ball and that's under 40 bucks. I mean, I think it's just under 40 bucks, but I mean, there are options out there and they're not going to be $20 a dozen, but you can get under 40 bucks for, for some of these balls and you get similar performance to the tour ball, but you don't have to, you don't have to pay 50 a dozen. So yeah, the RB, as you mentioned, there are other options out there beyond just your, your stock two pieces. But I will say a lot of the, a lot of the manufacturers out there, even their, even their distance golf balls nowadays have a little bit of feel. They're not like what they used to be back in the day when when we would call them you know the, the rock flights as as i would uh as my buddies and i would jokingly say when we found one in the woods you know it's something that you tee up if you needed a bomb one but you know you're pulling it out and throwing down something with a bit softer cover if you're trying to attack the pin um, well
2: to your point like if people think back to the d- does anyone remember do you guys remember like the I was a kid. I wasn't like necessarily, I wasn't really in the industry unless you consider washing golf carts being in the industry. But of course the, the, the precept lady golf ball, do you remember that thing yeah. came out? And it was like I used this to play that phenom. Bit. It was an absolute phenom of a product because people were like, Oh, it's, it was, I don't know if it's the dimple cover or whatever, like the, the compression people called compression, but I don't get If you look at actual testing, it, it varies by consumer, but if you look at this, people are like, oh my gosh, I gotta buy this thing because it like it still spins around the green pretty good. It wasn't a urethane golf ball, it had a different cover on it, but it was a fairly soft golf ball, and people love this thing. You could hard you could hardly find them at certain points, uh kind of back in the day, as you would say. So, you know, there are really good options out there. And if you think of how old that golf ball is, and if you just kind of you know what you're looking for, I think there's a lot of options out there for people that are that want value, that want something that's gonna work, that isn't going to be just like I bought a 36 of them because I'm just gonna launch them <laughs> into the woods. Um, there are options out there for beginners and people that are are serious about getting into the game. Cause look, there's another segment of people that just want to go out for their corporate tournaments and have a set of golf clubs for that four, five hundred dollar price point. They go out, they're not gonna practice, they don't care, and that's cool too. But if you are looking to, you know, I think get into the game, I think that's always the, the direction to go.
0: Yep it's a good place to end that topic. All right, before we get into the next topic, I want to let you know that this week's episode of Fully Equipped is supported by Fujikura and their new Ventus TR shaft line. You've heard us talk about Ventus in the past. It is the most played shaft on the PGA Tour for the last two seasons. It has won two majors in 2022. It was the shaft, not the TR, but just the original Ventus. Ventus Black, to be specific, that was used by the Tour Championship and FedEx Cup winner. Now, in addition to the original Ventus, you now have the new Ventus TR, which is just simply a more stable version of the original Ventus. It comes in three profiles, similar to the OG Ventus. It comes in a red, a bit more high launching, your blue, which is gonna be your mid-launch, and your black, for you big swingers out there, that's gonna be your low spin, low launch product. The key difference between Ventus and the new Ventus TR is the addition of an ultra light spread toe fabric that's sourced from Japan that helps reinforce the mid and handle sections on this shaft. As somebody who's tested out all three profiles in the new Ventus TR lineup, I can tell you they are definitely, or I should say noticeably more stable than the OG Ventus. But again, a lot of the same tech that you're gonna find in both, which is why they're not just sunsetting the original Ventus. If you want to learn more about Fujikura's Ventus TR line, go check it out on Fuji's website, or you can go over to TrueSpec. They now have all three models, and you can test them out for yourself.
1: All right. Hey, Jonathan, before you get back into anything, we have a guest in the waiting room. Oh, God. Um, Apparently uh, missed us by an hour. He's coming in right now.
2: Oh,
0: look (laughs) look who shows up 26 minutes into recording huh wow might as well make fashionably late oh there, there you are oh there he is what's your yeah wow is- hey thanks for showing up finally 26 minutes later 26 minutes what, <laughs> what do
3: you mean 26 minutes we're we're already well into this podcast sir we are live oh we're live right now hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hey.
2: That we smile.
3: All right. So we are one topic
0: into this week's pod. We hit on beginner golf sets before we start talking about some of the most recent, uh, proving ground tests that RB and I conducted. I want to talk about this crazy golf club collection. So we've had Ryan Carey, who is the founder of golden age golf auctions. We've had him on the pod. I, I call, he's a good buddy of mine, friend of the pod. Um, he is the one who, his auction house sold the Tiger Slam irons, the ones that everybody's trying to find out, are they legitimate, are they not? They were able to photo match them. Um, they sold for over $5 million. His auction house was the one that sold the Tiger Woods uh, Newport Two GSS backup that went for almost 400K. So, you know, Ryan typically will, he and I'll text back and forth, and he mentioned to me, hey, I've got this crazy club collection that I just acquired and you know, crazy club collections. I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe some, some like high end golf clubs. No, this is like the largest club collection he's ever acquired. Said it is four times as big as the biggest collection. And I wrote a story on it. I talked to Ryan, wrote a story out on golf.com. There's a whole bunch of pictures. It's a guy up in Chicago who apparently like, two and a half, three decades ago, went through this crazy acquisition stage where he was literally acquiring everything from like 1800s old Tom Morris golf clubs to like just loads of Cleveland 588 RTG wedges, Um, every single one of the Scotty Cameron retail releases. Uh, I mean, all the ping putters, literally any golf club from like the 1800s he has everything all the way up through like the mid 90s and he just liked to acquire clubs and this guy has an entire space in his house just filled with clubs that have never been used imagine that like this is this is golf club heaven boys and and ryan carey is getting messages from this guy and he's he's kind of being cagey all he will tell him when he's he's like, look, you just got to come out and see the collection for yourself. So Ryan made the trip out to Chicago, um, took a look at the golf clubs. The guy actually thought when he was showing Ryan around that the, the Scotty Camerons were were not the, like were maybe like not even the top twenty on the golf clubs that he wanted to show him initially, even though there's some like unbelievable Camerons in there. One of them, Ryan told me was I think that probably had the coolest story was a Scotty Cameron X with with no hosel it's a copper putter that apparently Scotty had um, set for release in Japan and all the heads got stolen and the copper got melted down and one head happened to make it out and it had been sitting as a paperweight on Bob Bob Bettinardi's desk And somehow, some way Bob sold the putter to this collector in Chicago and he built it into a golf club. And so when Ryan saw the putter, he's like, man, did this guy end up with one of the stolen heads? And it come to find out that there was a, you know, provenance behind the putter and it's part of this collection. But the coolest part about it was this guy told Ryan when he's going through the clubs, he's like, all right, if you want this collection, it's all or nothing. You can't cherry pick it. You got to buy every single golf club in this collection. He he wanted it. He was done. He had, hadn't collected in a couple of decades, was, was done with his, uh, with his golf club buying spree. So Ryan bought the whole collection lock stock and barrel and had two semi trailers, take it from Chicago to a new warehouse that he had to buy in New York. And now he is auctioning off a lot of the very cool, um, kind of iconic Cameron's pin clubs. Um, A lot of these persimmon woods that have never been hit, they're all going to go up on golden age starting today as we record on on the 31st. And it'll run for, I believe, a couple of weeks. But could you imagine walking into somebody's house? A guy just like calls you up and keeps bothering you. Hey, man, you got to come see my golf club collection. It's really good. You just got to see it. And you show up and it's just thousands upon thousands of golf clubs. (laughs) It's, It's probably a dream that we've all
3: had, right? Or is it just me? Uh, no, I would be looking at that and going, oh, there's a new house. Oh, maybe that's a downplay- down payment on a really nice car, or maybe I go and you know get this Tesla since I have a fifty mile commute to work one way, or you know maybe I could get a, a speaker and give it to Gene. <laughs> <laughs> you miss,
1: you miss, you miss that game because he came in Ooh, late. So I already, yeah, I already gave the them. speaker to my daughter. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I think we've it's, all seen like one club like this or two clubs like this, but to come across like a full, like just literally like a warehouse, it's like kind of, it is this, like, you know, like the Nicolas Cage national national treasure. Like we're going to steal the declaration of independence. Like, Holy crap. We actually have this thing. Um, Cause a lot of this stuff, like, I know when we were at Titleist and they, we kind of joked about, we asked about like the 907 D one driver and things that were like kind of funky that don't really like get a lot of credit anymore. But they have an archive of all the clubs that they've ever made. I know, and that was the thing Josh was talking about, like when we were there, Josh talking. And so, I mean, I got clubs, I got like, I got some old gear kicking around, I got stuff in the background here. And I've gone to like used stores that have like pretty cool stuff, but to come across new is like really insane. Like, I've got, again, it's not a big collection, but I've got some old persimmon woods and like laminate ping zing two woods that are basically unhit. And those were just like lucky finds. But I've seen, I remember when the first one up on Instagram and people were, I think they were sharing it. And then a lot of, because a lot of the stuff was being shared was like a lot of vintage stuff. And then you see head covers pop up here and there in these big golf bags. And I'm like, holy crap, man. (laughs) Like one of these things is insane. Like, but to have like rooms full of this stuff is like it just got locked in um, a time capsule. Literally, all this stuff got time capsuled in this one guy's house. He never used it. And now, you know, someone found it. And, like, two tractor trailers is a hell of a lot of golf clubs. That's so many golf clubs. Like, yeah. you know, I, well, I, I'm curious thing- to see the auction because like, I know someone's going to go crazy, like Scotty Cameron stuff. But I'm curious because, like, all these old, like, you know, say Powerbuilt or whatever, like, stuff that doesn't really have as much, like, cachet now is probably going to have some pretty good value to it if you're out there looking for this kind of gear because it just doesn't exist. Oh, no, I
1: was just going to say that's what I was curious about is, you know who's who's looking for a title of starship or something, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, I guess, I guess there's collectors out there that are interested in that. I, I, uh, yeah, I just, I find it fascinating. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, I get it. Tiger set. I get it. If it's a, uh, you know, a really valuable, you know, rare putter or something like that, but I'm guessing there's a lot of stuff in this, um, um, you know, in this auction that, you know, probably was not going to be, you know, uh, cutting edge or even, you know, remembered. So it'll be wild to see, you know, what someone wants to pay for a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah. It's the, the stuff that really blew me away. One, I mean, obviously the Camerons, because there's, there's an attachment from when I was a kid and, you know, Cameron was just starting to become really popular. I mean, that was right around the time, um, like going into middle school, Tiger wins the masters, um, you know, the Terellium becomes really popular it basically just Cameron blows up. And so those, those are cool. Those re- those retail releases and all of those have plastic on the grips apparently. And then the other ones that I thought were neat was Ryan said that he found a whole bunch of the Ping Redwood City Putters, the ones that Carson Solheim was making out of his garage when he was still in California. He said that there were rubber bands that had calcified around the head covers. And so they had to cut off the rubber bands with scissors and like these things have never been touched. So, I mean, this could be, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, maybe there's somebody out there that's listening and is like, man, I've got a better collection than this guy. But I would say that this might be one of the best finds golf club finds in the history of, of, of clubs. I mean, this guy has literally everything. And Ryan said that he started, again, as RB mentioned, he was posting pictures on his Instagram and people were reaching out to him and he said, Hey, look, if you want to learn more about this, you know, you know, shoot me your email and I'll make sure you get on the list. So, you know, when everything goes live and he's like, I've never gotten like hundreds of requests from people that wanted to know. And it was, some of them were interested in the Cameron's others interested in the ping putters for obvious reasons. And some were like, Hey, do you have, you know, you know, throw out a specific McGregor, you know, set of irons. My dad played these. I remember him playing, them. I've, you know, there's just a sentimental like attachment to them. And so I, you know, it's, You know, Ryan said that a lot of the clubs are going to go up for auction, but not everything, because he's like, look, it would take us over a week to just catalog all these clubs. So the things that they don't end up putting up for auction, they'll either, either going to sell in bulk or just donate them. So some cool stuff still might end up out there at like play it again sports, I think.
2: I saw the, uh, can you just get me one of those like 24 inch across staff bags? I've always wanted one of those things and oh, I saw them. They look so cool. I always think that like the old like big Bertha ones, I always thought those were like the coolest ones. So,
0: yeah. Anyway, it is a it is a really cool find. If you want to learn more about this crazy club collection, it's just called the Golf Club's Only Auction. Go check it out on Golden Age. Their website is goldenageauctions.com. And you can, I'm sure you can find something. There's, gonna, there's just an the absolute, mountain of of putters and and cool finds there so i will be uh, checking it out myself and i suggest you do the same all right well before we get into the next topic i'm gonna let you know that fully equipped is supported by fairway jockey we talk about golf, custom golf clubs all the time on the pod, and we're often asked where's the best place to buy custom clubs for us the answer is easy because only one place offers the lowest prices on custom built clubs And that's fairwayjockey.com. Do your homework. No one beats their prices. You'll save up to 15%. And when you're talking about a bigger ticket purchase like golf clubs, that can add up to big savings. Build your custom set today at fairwayjockey.com. All right. So as I mentioned, RB and I did a couple of tests recently for our Proving Ground series. You know, I was going to have RB mention this tailor-made stealth udi dhy five iron five wood tests you did but we completely glossed over the test you did before that one because we did a mailbag episode last week we didn't even talk about the chipper man
2: yeah it was uh it was a fun one i know we, again i've talked about it earlier and now we're back on it again but uh the chipper i did a full swing test with it and yes you just did. I was, I was really curious and Basically, imagine hitting a super short, super upright, really heavy eight iron. It's kind of what happened. Um, the dispersion was incredible. Uh, I, you know, I popped a couple outliers out, like a lot of people did, like do from the testing. But I don't think like, I used one shot and got no standard deviation. So, uh, what I took away from it was that, like, not groundbreaking stuff. But if someone was looking to create some consistency, even if they're wedges. So like, let's say you took something like this and put it into your wedges and it was just like one club. It was like a specialty, like club that you use if you're in deep rough or you're in the sand, or you're someone who struggles in the sand, right? Cause there are specialty clubs that are, you see those like infomercials for all kinds of different things, uh, show there and Oberholzer, but, uh, the really heavy club just created some like really heavy, really short just created this like nice consistency. And I was sitting inside off a mat with a GC quad, and I was like, man, this is kind of nuts. So, I can imagine if you were to take that application of a super short, super heavy golf club and put it into something like a 56 degree wedge that has maybe not a ton of bounce, but has some bounce onto it, you could find a lot of success out of bunkers. And that was my biggest takeaway. Yes, I know, again, I talked a lot about the chipper, I think it's a good little thing for people that are around the greens, but. If you are looking to hit full shots with a club that you maybe struggle with, I think for most golfers going really heavy in a, in a particular golf club that you're going to hit full swings with. It's different if it's like half swings or, again, bunkers are a little bit different because you're really going in it with full force. But trying some heavier wedges is a great option. And that that was really my biggest takeaway from from hitting full swings with that thing.
0: My, my favorite part about this test was when RB posted – the, the insights. And there were like a ton of people that were like, I was waiting for somebody to take full swings with the chipper. And sure enough, that was you who was, who was the Guinea pig, but I mean, it makes sense. Why not? I mean, I know the golf club is, has a specific use. That's what it was intended to do, but why not just try it and see what happens when you take full swings. And I was actually kind of impressed with the numbers. Well, I don't have it anymore,
2: but I've returned it to ping, uh, as of uh, a couple of days ago. But uh, it would be fun to, like, get another one down there. and we'll get one from right from Phoenix, Gene, and get you on the robot. Because I think Excellent. heel and toe, it's so heavy, right? Like, if you hit it with a square face, you're not going to get a lot of deflection because it's just carrying so much momentum through the ball. And at lower speeds, that adds up. And I think that's where you have that advantage when it comes to heavier golf clubs, right? I mean, I think of – I use this kind of it's, – again, it's a silly analogy, but it's not a car one this time. Would you rather get hit by a ping pong ball going 100 miles an hour or a bowling ball going 10? <laughs> I'm taking the ping pong ball. Like that, it's it's very different when you think of the, the, the collision dynamics of something that's heavier. Now it gets to the point we say like a driver that there's a point of diminishing return. But in the short game, if you can manage club path and club face relationship to like making contact, a heavier golf is going to move the golf ball forward. And if you're out of rough or you're in sand, like it's a great way to go. I think.
0: Yeah. I'm just again I'm just glad that you actually tried it for for another shot just to see what happens. Who knows, maybe maybe it does have a dual purpose. We'll, we'll try. try. Yeah. All right. So you tried out some fun stuff with the ping chipper. I had a chance to do a little bit of testing with the Callaway jaws raw. I already play raw wedges in my bag. I've talked about it before. I play titles, Vokey SM7s, still an SM7 guy. That's a, if you're keeping track at home, that's a 2018 release from Vokey. So it's been a little bit since uh, since that one was released, I guess in gear terms, you know, four years is not that long. But wanted to see if I could just notice any difference in feel. So the Jaws Raw, which makes it different than the current or i should say the the original jaws wedge is the raw version has a raw face but the rest of the head beyond the face is plated so unlike a a regular raw wedge you're not going to get the patina and the rust that you're going to see on the head and i'd ask callaway like what's what's the benefit of just coming out with this wedge and they said you know not everybody wants to to get the patina on the head not everybody wants the rust and some people want the clean look, but then they want the the soft feel when you remove that plating from the face. And as we had talked about on a recent podcast, we uh, we had Gene do some robotic testing on raw versus plated. And there isn't, I mean, especially when you're talking about today's tech, like groove technology. There's not a lot of difference in spin; it's very minimal. So I wasn't expecting a difference in spin, even though my SM7s are. Um, a bit more worn in the grooves than the jaws raw. And you know, the numbers kind of checked out. It was about 300 RPM difference on the shots that I was hitting. I hit the the SM7 versus the jaws raw from 75 and 100 yards. And I just, again, I was more just trying to see if there was a difference in feel with, with, the, with the jaws raw face. And again, feel is subjective. So I wasn't really expecting to release any of the data until I started taking a look at the dispersion numbers. And man, you know, 75 and hundred yards. Those are, those are green lights for, for any golfer that's got a halfway decent short game. And I mean, I'm, I was getting, you know, an improvement of about, you know, two, two and a half yards of improvement on dispersion. And, you know, you're thinking about that. And I'm like, man, this is actually a, a really good wedge and what's going on with it. And so I just kind of talked to the R and D guys at Callaway and, I think one of the things that improves this wedge is they they added tungsten to the head. We've seen other we've seen other OEMs add tungsten to the head, and I mean, geez, I would mentioned it in the story that I wrote. Tiger Woods was one of the first to have tungsten slugs added to his iron heads, and he did it more for to, to try and center up the CG, and then also for feel purposes. And um, with Callaways, they lengthened the hosel on these wedges. And they mentioned that the lengthening of the hosel and the tungsten positioning helps kind of offset it and really center up that CG. It's about eight grams of tungsten. But it's one of those, you know, I think everybody's gonna talk about Jaws raw and they're gonna say, oh man, it's that that raw face. And of course it has raw in the name. But I think the I think the secret sauce as I called it for this Jaws raw is this tungsten in the head. And the fact that it just tightens things up just a bit and if you're if you're a decent wedge player i think you're going to start to see a tighter dispersion with these i'm not going to say it's for every golfer but it's certainly a wedge that i think that that a lot of golfers should at least throw into the testing rotation if they're looking for new wedges
2: chris when you're doing the when when you're talking about wedges to somebody are you looking at the high, low. And I know Gene, you've done testing of this as well. And we actually, I know you've got, you've just got some wedges that we sent out with like the high toe and things like that. But from a fitting perspective, do you look at the dispersion of high and low on the club face and really point someone in the direction that they're going to see a benefit when they have more technology in a wedge? Cause there is options out there now that isn't a chipper <laughs> it, that's going to really help players that miss around the face, right? Like, People look at a wedge and think, "Oh, it's just a wedge," but it's not just a wedge. Like it's going to help your short game, and you hit so many shots with it that I think there's a huge benefit.
3: No, there definitely is. And I mean, as wedge manufacturers get more creative with the multi-material construction and weight displacement, and how they're actually positioning CG in the wedge to allow a player to to flight those shots a little lower for more control. I mean, there are benefits to a different wedge construction and also weight placement specifically for people that do have an issue with ball striking. So consistency of impact on the face can be kind of fine tuned for consistency with wedge design and also forgiveness built into that wedge. So a lot of the manufacturers are maintaining that more classic traditional blade style wedge look while incorporating a little bit more tech into it as far as making it more forgiving on different strike locations. So there, there's definitely a benefit to finding a wedge that matches your release pattern, your desired ball flight, and also the the strike location that you have a tendency to miss on for sure. Again, it's, it's always going to default to, to get fit and test a variety of different product to see what it is that kind of checks that box for you, but equipment can help hundred percent.
0: Yeah. For sure. And that's, that's what I learned time and time again. You know, I'm, I'm pretty set in my ways with my clubs, especially my wedges. I just like the way that they feel. Um, I've been a huge fan of the SM seven and the profile and I just really never really saw a huge reason to change. But then you see it in dispersion improvement on those shots. And I got to go get some more testing in them. I mean, 75 and hundred is a small sample size. I got to get some more time out on the golf course with them, but it was an apples apples comparison. I, I put in a, a true temper dynamic gold tour issue S 400 shaft into the 56 degree same shaft that I play in my SM seven um, swing weighted the same. And, and just, again, I want to get, if I'm going to do head to head, I want to make sure that it's a true comparison, but yeah, the the jaws raw is, is really good. Again, it's, it's certainly something that I think you should go test, but I'll never say like, you got to throw it in the bag. It's as we've all talked about, it's really important to go and get with the fitter, test it with them. You know, if you like it, maybe you, maybe you buy a wedge and you just go out and play with it on the golf course. Learning how it interacts with the turf is huge. Getting comfortable with it around the green and with those, those go to shots uh, is really important, but it's certainly one that deserves some consideration.
2: Now, Jonathan quickly here, let's do, let's do round table 30 seconds. What is the oldest club in your bag, Ben? Is it the wedges? I want to hear from everybody here.
0: It is for me. It, it was. I was going to say it was the putter, but I I now have a a custom ping pld, and so my my old gamer is out for right now. But yeah, I would say yeah, wedges 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 are the oldest
3: one in my bag from twenty eighteen. Chris. I so I have so many people digging through my bag and I I play with so many clients and so many vendors. I'm not going to lie. My bag changes every year and it's always a a current sample of whatever's in the market. So there's even if I find something that I really, really like just out of respect for the partnerships that we have, uh, my shitty game in general that, uh, you know, I can I can usually find something to shoot 80 with. Uh, every year. So my bag, everything is fresh for twenty two.
0: <laughs> He's a company man.
3: See, and
2: I, I thought you might have said the vertical group driver. Anyways. <laughs> Gene, come on, Gene. What's the robot guy? What's the oldest club?
1: Well, so, you know, it's funny. It was up until six months ago, the cobbler's children have no shoes. I had just a hodgepodge of stuff but then I got fit for the first time ever. And, uh, we, that was a point of controversy of a prior podcast, but, um, now it's a putter that's just like a year and a half, two years old. My, my whole set's brand new. feels kind of weird, but, uh, it's, it's also nice, you know, but I, I'm a, you know, in, in many ways I'm a, if it's not broke, don't fix it type, you know, uh, experimenting always spooks me because, uh, it, it, it's, you know, sometimes you can go down these rabbit holes with new equipment and you're not sure if you're adjusting your swing, for the equipment or the equipment, you know, is reacting to your swing. And, you know, I, I just see so much stuff on the robot and everything that, uh, I, I usually try to stick with you know whatever is semi working for me at that time.
2: Right on. I will fess up that the oldest club in my bag is an original tailor-made Sim Five Wood that uh, I've messed around with a lot, but it seems seems to want to stick around. Um, yeah, I can't. I think if a Five Wood. For, and I, I I do have a nine seventeen or no, sorry, 915 seven wood that kind of gets in play occasionally, but it hasn't seen the the course this year because this five wood just works so well. So what do you uh, what do you use the five
1: wood and seven wood for? Like I would know. never use
2: them at the same time. They would never be in my wow. bag at the same time. But okay. the, the the five wood is like a a comfortable like two twenty five, two thirty club I think if I looked at the data last time I did some club testing. So okay. um, I I've got it i lo- I I don't need to go in my golf game, but I spin it a lot and I hit it high and I cut everything. So uh I just like to hit a big cut with it i just hit if i got a long approach i just hit a big i aim left swing really hard and just hope that it continues to fade so uh that's why it stays in my bag it's a couple years old now but uh it's not although the shaft and it's like uh i would say like 12 years old it's a it's a fuji pr- uh, pro it's a what is it the this 90 the rombax 90 whatever that thing is it's probably like 15 years old i got it i used a pull from an old club so if, that, if we're talking oldest thing in the bag it's that 15 year old fuji shaft
0: I'm surprised that nobody has any like really old clubs, but we are gear guys and Chris plays with everything. So maybe it makes <laughs> sense. All right. Well, I had more stuff to talk about, man. But you know what? Why don't this? I think it's a good place to end this episode of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, you can check us out on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. Also, if you wanna go check out the Fully Equipped Twitter handle, we've got a couple of giveaways that RB and I are doing. I am giving away some fun golf balls. I found a couple of sleeves of the Tiger Edition Bridgestone Tour BXS golf balls, and also the TaylorMade TP5 in the Bacon and Eggs, picks and then also the one with the money signs and rbs giving away a unreleased titleist tsr hat so go check out the social media feed sign up for those we'll announce some winners soon that'll do it for this episode thanks for listening we'll see you